think we're in. Awesome. How's it going? I I'm doing great, dude. I it is no secret to you that I have been begging to get on this podcast because I <laughs> I enjoy everything you do, Lucas. Wow. If I could be a part of every single project you do for the rest of your life, I would. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much, honestly. Let's uh yeah, why don't you intro us into the podcast and we'll get started. Oh yeah, totally. Welcome to Do You Consider Us Friends? I'm your host, Kurt Metz, and with me is today's guest, Lucas Abreu. Kurt, do you consider us friends? 100%. 100%. There's no doubt. Totally. I, I consider us more than friends, Lucas. Okay. I, I consider us kindred spirits. Kindred spirits. Yes. D- would you define kindred spirits for me? Man, I think I think there are certain archetypes of like people and where you and me have a lot of differences. And there's no doubt in that. Sure. But I feel like the archetype I would assign myself is creator. Mm. That's like the kind of thing that I just, whatever medium I like to create. And I feel like you're very similar in that. So I consider us kindred in that way. I love that. Yeah. When would you say, like, because I, I don't even remember when I first met you. I feel like I kind of just like knew that you were around, kind of similar to Jacob. But do you have like a, any kind of recollection of when it was that we first kind of met and or started to become friends? <laughs> I, funny enough, I was going to ask you the same thing because I legitimately <laughs> have no idea when we met each other. <laughs> yeah. I just know that one day we were friends. I don't remember ever being introduced to you honestly wow i guess we both just left so um minimal first impressions that we didn't we don't remember any of it (laughs) yeah two worlds collided and they collided very slowly and gently yeah i'm sure what it was was like we were just friends with the same people and we ended up hanging out through that and so it just was kind of one of those things where there wasn't any like climactic moment where we met you know there was no meet cute yeah unfortunately no meet cute i feel like i remember Pretty vividly, though I didn't really follow Game of Thrones at the time, I remember summer 2017, I would go over to your place and we would watch some episodes of it. We also played the WWE games. Yes. There was a lot of a lot of shakes that were drank oh. from um, UDF. Yes. It was walking distance. Yeah. But I feel like that summer, again, also really started to solidify the frequency in which we hung out. And I think that that translated into what ended up being like most of our senior year. Yeah, I'd say so. That was in the wooden walls that you talked about with Jacob. Um, I was one of the roommates living there, of course. And yeah, it was actually funny. I'm pretty sure just about every single person who lived in that house watched through all of Game of Thrones individually Mm. with the rest of us watching with like, like they would like, like one person would watch it and then the next person would be like, I think I'm going to watch Game of Thrones. And so that person would watch it with that person. <laughs> and by the end, we're all like watching Game of Thrones for like the fourth time. And I forget who would be the last one to watch it. But we're like, we're watching, you know, season three. I won't spoil it, even though it's been a while. You know, the big event of season three. Yeah. We're all watching it just like grinning, waiting for the person to see it happen. <laughs> like Amazing. Yeah, it became a whole thing. In Indiana, um, when the last and final season... Ah of yeah. Game of Thrones came out. I I remember I had watched episodes sporadically throughout. I think I'd watched the first season and a half by myself. Couldn't get into it at the time. And then watched some episodes with you guys. But yeah. in order to catch up, I watched a lot of YouTube videos that explained each season in like maybe 40 minutes as a lead up to season eight. Yeah. Do you have any strong opinions 
on the eighth and final season of Game oh, of the, Thrones. The strongest. Yeah. Uh, I I vehemently hate it. Um, really? Oh, yeah. The eighth season, like, I legitimately... I, I think I'm a little bit more lenient about the five through seven than a lot of people are. Like, some people will even go back and say five through seven weren't good either. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a lot more lenient with those, but season eight, man, it was just so clear that they just did not care at that point. Like I, there are a few pieces of media that I've watched where I could tell what was going on behind the scenes that strongly because it was like, I, I believe the two guys, the two creators, they had a star Wars project that they got signed on to and they were way more interested in that. And so they like, they rushed through season eight to get it over with. Yeah. And I guess season seven too, technically, I'd probably lump them in because they were kind of like, it was like an eight episode in the seventh episode season. Yeah. They were just rushing it to get it over with. And then you find out after the fact, like HBO was like throwing a blank check at them for like five more seasons. Yeah. Usually it's like studio interference that ruins things. And this time it, it but now wasn't. It was, it was creators. Yeah. I read somewhere that if they wanted to do even just like two to four more episodes that season, yep. it was in the books. Like they were allowed to do that and they just opted out of it. Have you been watching the new House of the Dragon? Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching that one. And first season was interesting. Like I, I, I've enjoyed it so far. Like I don't think my anger at Game of Thrones is like carried over to it or anything, but I'm definitely more guarded. Sure. <laughs> I'm like a little, I'm a little, I'm not as willing to get as into it as I did with Game of Thrones because you know what happened before, but. Yeah, but I think I think I enjoyed it. It's been a little while since it came out, but I think I enjoyed it. Yeah, I actually ended up watching the entire first season of that because I watched it weekly and I ended up watching the first season of that before having seen Game of Thrones in its entirety. And last winter, I went home to Kansas City and I was hanging out with my dad and we watched all eight seasons, I want to say in 10 days. (laughs) We just absolutely flew through it and a lot of the big like major points of game of thrones like some of which i expected to come up and i did some of which i had forgotten about and was pleasantly surprised i think that having watched it in under two weeks i don't know i didn't hate the eighth season as much as a lot of people also i went into it knowing that there was so much hate and so i think i was expecting to pinpoint more of what was bad about it but yeah i think the house of the dragon so far, even though at the time I hadn't even seen Game of Thrones, I felt like it did a good job of introducing the world in a fresh way that like there were cool Easter eggs had you been familiar with the world of Game of Thrones. But even without it, it still felt entertaining. Is there anything else right now that you're watching on TV that or even in the last like year or so that has really stood out to you as must watch television or cinema? Oh, man, that is the right question. And I have an app just for this that i'm scrolling through now what's the app uh, i think it's, it's like tv show time or tv time it's just it's kind of how i track what i'm watching because i'm always getting recommended things so you can add things up to like your queue and everything and track what episode you're on which is great if you share a streaming service with people i have that same app i'm going to add you right now if we're not already friends i didn't even know you could have friends that's awesome but yeah i'd say honestly pretty much everything on apple tv maybe not everything but apple tv plus i think is super underrated i actually agree silo i just finished silo Mm. and that one i am I am like I if I could invest in time travel to get to season two already, I would I would like I want to know what happens so bad. And it feels like no one's talking about it. And I'm like this to me, like I wish this was like Game of Thrones level where everyone was talking about it because it would be so nice, especially because Apple TV does the week to week thing, which I think is so much better. I completely agree. Yeah. And then, yeah, Shrinking was great. It's from the you know, it's from the same creator as Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. And that was a really great show. 
Also, I want to plug Dropout TV. They have a lot of great content. It's uh, formerly College Humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a great, honestly, even with the strikes and everything going on, they've been super like supportive of the strikes and have been very clear that they might even be able to get around some of it. But even then, they care way more about like the writers and the actors and stuff. And pretty much everyone who's been on any of their programming has agreed that they're kind of a shining star in a dark place in Hollywood, you know? <laughs> like they just treat everyone so well. Yeah, it's awesome. Is that like where Game Changer? Is that what? Yes. Okay. Game Changer and Dimension 20 and things like that. I'm very disappointed to see Game Changer did not get the Emmy nomination they were trying to get. It's so good. The musical that they do, the improv musical, is one of the I, best episodes of television yes. I've ever seen. <laughs> I have watched it so many times. I did not know that musical theater improv was my thing. Yeah. But I saw that Welcome to Mountport episode and oh, I, it blew goodness. my mind. I have the t-shirt. The amount of that... talent it takes to pull <laughs> yeah. that off. And it just also how fun I feel like that would be too. Yeah. What an amazing experience. Yeah. And they, they spun it off into its own show called Play It By Ear. And Jess McKenna and Zach Reno, two of the people in that Game Changer episode, they actually, apparently, I found this out afterward, they're so good at it because they do it all the time. Yeah. They have their own podcast called Off the Book and they, they do like musical improv constantly. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned was the the, the week to week roll out mm -hmm. why do you think that is that it's so much better for television week to week instead of the binge model i think what makes television different from movies you know from a layman's perspective obviously sure um is it's yeah it's it's not a one and done thing it's a continuous story and when you have the binge model, it kind of just becomes one long movie mm. and I kind of think it takes some of the what makes TV special out of it, especially with sh like mystery type shows like like Silo, for example, like there's I, I remember going on like Reddit and stuff and just like I enjoyed so much reading through comment threads about theories and stuff like that. You don't really get to do that when you're binging because everyone's on different episodes. Yeah. And then it also just makes it less culturally relevant. I think it's bad for the show, too. Like, I think Stranger Things would be even bigger if it was a week to week thing. Because people will be talking about it for months at a time instead of a week. You and know? they do such a great job of having cliffhangers that yeah. it wouldn't struggle in that sense. Because it doesn't necessarily feel like an eight-hour long movie. It does have episodes. Right. Similar to what I felt like was the summer's uh, season two of The Bear. Like season one, it almost felt like it needed to be dropped at once just so that people could watch it, consume it, and then just talk about it. But season two, I really feel like they should have, especially with how each episode felt so unique and followed a different character throughout the entire season. I, I would have loved to see that week yeah. to week as well. Let people digest it a little bit too. Right. Especially because well, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I haven't seen the bear. I, I need to, it's on my list. Oh my uh, goodness. I, I've heard great things and I do plan on watching it soon. Yeah. But yeah, I think that also brings up a good point too. It's like the things that hit me the hardest, like I'm a big catharsis guy. That's why I go to movies. That's why I watch TV is to experience emotions I wouldn't normally feel in my normal life. And yeah, I think that's healthy. I think that's a good, there's a good thing to that. And when, when you're pinching, it's like, if you end on this really like emotional thing, it's like, all right. And then like the, the, the TV is going to automatically go to the next episode, the next 30 seconds. So it's like all of that, just sitting there in that feeling is gone. Yeah. Some of the movies I've gone and seen recently, like I walked out of past lives and I remember just like vacant stare as I drove home. <laughs> like, right. I, I like I felt it for a while afterward, and I listened to like the soundtrack a little bit afterward. And I just felt the same things I was feeling in that movie because I had time to sit with it, and that's so important for sure. Yeah, it's like when you watch an episode of Black Mirror and you're like, "What yeah. the hell did I just watch?" 
and then next episode in four, three, two, one, and like you're <laughs> on to the next thing. And it's so good that you don't want to stop, but like it doesn't allow you to take that in. Um, and I know some people they have the willpower to stop. I don't. I just uh-huh. keep going as long as I'm awake. But yeah, <laughs> I feel that. So speaking of elite cinema and art and filmmaking, you were a part of one of one of these projects. Do you remember when and or how I approached you for scooting the 200th anniversary? You know, I I honestly do not remember how me and Luke became a part of that because I feel like for as much as as friendly as we were, I don't I feel like there was people you were closer with. And so I don't remember exactly how me and Luke got involved in that, but I, I'm sure I was more than enthusiastic. I always love to do that kind of stuff. Like me, Luke and Jacob grew up doing like videos and shooting all kind, like in acting and writing and stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if I just jumped right on it. Do you remember how it all came to be? I I don't. I know that I have scripts of what I imagined it would be. I had like written out, I think the three main characters which was you who were like, it was interviewing people, Travis, who played like this scooting fanatic and then Luke, who was master scooter. Right. And I don't know. I just remember in my mind thinking, yo, this is so funny. This is great. I got to roll with it. It was very much one of those things where I felt like once you get over that first hurdle, I feel like it becomes so much easier to accomplish whatever it is you want to do next because you've gotten that fear out of the way you're no longer worried about the uncertain or like when you fail you just go at it again (laughs) you right you you mess up and you just keep trying and so that said i think if i'm not mistaken and my timing could be very off but within the wooden walls i remember us filming with the milkshakes and like the malts and stuff oh yeah I remember I I couldn't spit out the line, Lord Voldemort, and with a, with a straight face. <laughs> and wasn't there like Breaking Bad references in that too? Jesse Shakespeare. So many terrible puns, and I just remember I couldn't get it out with a straight face. But it was just so much fun that I feel like because we were at least just filming together. In my mind, I probably was like, yeah, let me just see if they would be interested in doing this. That's the the closest thing to a conclusion I can come to. Yeah. I have no idea though. Yeah, that's that's fair. I feel like so much of college is blurry for me, man. I I hold on to the like the actual like events, but like how how I ended up there is gone at this point. Yeah. There were two other projects in Indiana we were able to do together. You kept just saying yes for some reason. I'd love to say it's because I'm a fan of the arts, but it's probably just some level of narcissism. <laughs> Loving to see myself on camera. <laughs> Yeah, everyone has a little bit of narcissism in them for sure. No, but it was, uh, yeah, again, so much fun. I think that if it mm-hmm. weren't enjoyable, there wouldn't have been a need or even just a desire to want to put ourselves out there. And like, obviously, you know, it has probably what, like a couple hundred views at most on YouTube. So like, yeah, it, it wasn't like it was anything that we were doing to impress the mass audiences. It was just, I think, something fun for us. I remember trying to work around yours and Sam's schedules Mm-hmm. And being like, all right, let's just try to get these shots as quickly as possible before the sun goes down. When we shot the guitar scene, <laughs> there were these two girls on this bench. And I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, we need to film something here. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And they moved. And then they kept playing the ukulele. And it was like a very cute moment for the two of them. Yeah. But I was like, hey, like, I'm so sorry. Like, 
can you please not? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. And then they didn't leave. They just sat there yeah. <laughs> just waiting for us to, to finish up. How dare they? Yeah. Yeah. But it was, a, <laughs> yeah, I very much enjoyed working with you on those three projects. I feel like you were very receptive and very much helped me hone in on like what it was like to work with an actor who I have to give notes to and have to mold so that I can get the vision for what it is I have in my mind onto the screen. So very instrumental in building me up as well. So thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I appreciate hearing that. I mean, cause that's, I was just so excited for you when you talked about like going to like school for writing and everything. And like, this feels weird to even say about myself, but I think I was the perfect person for you to, to do this with because I'm just a random person, but also somebody who cares a lot about movies and TV. Like, right. I was going to be willing to take whatever notes you had and like do whatever it took to make the thing better. Because yeah, like even though it was just kind of a fun little like thing, it was, you know, I also wanted it to be as good as it could be because I'm also, you know, a big fan of these things. And so, yeah, I think it was just really great. And I, I learned a lot too from working on that stuff with you. And I don't, you know, I don't use it as much as you do probably, but I, I enjoy having that knowledge and I try to use it when I like make my, you know, like music videos and stuff that I do. Like I try to use that knowledge that you provided and that I learned throughout that process. And well, so speaking yeah. of your music videos, I know that you've been posting them for a while now. What kind of inspired you to take what was music as a hobby and express that to the world on social media? Yeah. So, I mean, music has always been one of the biggest things in my life. I feel like I couldn't even tell you when I started doing it. Like, I'm sure I've been singing since I was before I can even remember. Yeah. Um, and I did like piano lessons in elementary school and stuff. And um, yeah, music's just always been a big part of my life. And so and also YouTube has always been a big part of my life. I've, I've been using YouTube since like it came out and I've, I still have a long list of subscriptions and I watch through as many of them as I can to keep up with it. Yeah. It just kind of made sense, I guess, to take videos of me playing music and put them online. And honestly, there's way more videos that are even that than I've even released because I'm just so self-conscious about it. I have so many covers that no one's ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, what was cool was joining TikTok got me to a place where I was willing to put out a less than perfect product, essentially. Mm. Um, so TikTok became a place where I could, you know, if there was something I just really wanted to cover and share, I could just do like 30 seconds of the song instead of the entire song and throw it up on TikTok and get way more views than I ever got on YouTube. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think TikTok's a great platform for discovery and virality. Twitter and Instagram, you're kind of limited to mm -hmm. who is following you and who is likely to reshare. But yeah, TikTok is great in that sense. Yeah, it's kind of unique as a platform and being a place where most people spend most of their time is like the discovery tab. On most other apps, the discovery tab is something I rarely look at. I usually just look at my right. normal feed, whereas TikTok, the main feed is the discovery tab, essentially. You mentioned releasing things that aren't necessarily perfect. What do you see as like the importance in doing that, whether it be with music or anything else really in life like how have you seen that be important and how have you leaned into that yeah i think for me it's just a lot of effort to do this stuff for a long time like especially back in indiana i was doing full covers of songs i have a 12 minute cover of a michael kimonuka song that took me probably like months to make mm -hmm. and then you have to also make a video for those that's like and on youtube the, the the requirement of production value is a little bit higher so it was just it was a lot of work but i put so much effort into those things and i want to re release them I felt like I wasn't quite there yet. And what's nice about TikTok is it just lets me kind of, yeah, it, it gets me out of my head a little bit. It's like the, the expectation is lower. So just like do it, like just do it. 
it gets me to play the music more. You know, moving out here to Colorado, I, don't, I didn't have a ton of friends for a while because I work from home and don't leave my apartment all that often. And I realized like I didn't play music for that entire time because I was only playing music back in Ohio or Indiana because I had other people to kind of like share it with. Yeah. Like I had musician friends and stuff. And so something like TikTok gave me an example, like, gave me a place to just like kind of, I guess, like show off for lack of a better term. It's just like, here's this thing that I thought sounded kind of nice. Totally. And then get like feedback on it. And yeah, it was cool. And honestly, I've had three or four different videos where like the original creator of the song either commented or liked my post. Mm. Uh, even though it still only has like 500 to 800 views, like the original artist is one of them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's wild to me. That's awesome. So yeah. It's just been a cool way to connect, yeah, with other musicians and stuff like that and to share what I'm doing. You mentioned uh, living out in Colorado now. You're in Denver, right? Yes. Well, kind of like a suburb of Denver, but yes, living okay. in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. What's it been like, especially I know you're very close to your family and they're, for the most part, all in Ohio. Like, What's it been like kind of being out in mountain time now with that kind of distance from them? I know that you... If I'm not mistaken, you still travel to Ohio because of your job every once in a while. Uh-huh. I think we've probably experienced similar things. So I would love to hear about your experience. What's that been like being so isolated for you? Yeah, uh, It's been uh, a mixture of different things. I, like It was originally very difficult because I was the kind of person I thought I was going to buy my parents' house when they moved out of it. Like I was very much like I'm not leaving home type of person. Yeah. So even moving to Indiana was a big step for me. Um, And I think that was a crucial step in order to get me out here. But I think when I realized that the only thing holding me back from living in Colorado was family, that was when I decided I had to go. Yeah. Because I I love this area. And I, you know, even like I talk about often, just like going outside and seeing mountains on the horizon, like is literally like an instant boost to my mental health. And so to let myself, like to keep myself from that for the sake of being close to family just didn't feel right. But yeah, it's hard because I am close to my family and it was also challenging because my sister had her first child soon after I moved here. So it was kind of like, oh no, I finally have a nephew and I'm now across the country. Yeah. And so that's been hard, but I call my parents like every other week, I feel like at least. And I keep in touch. And like you said, my job has flown me back for a couple of things. And so that's been really helpful. Like last year, I'm pretty sure I went back to Ohio like four times without having to pay myself, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, that has not been the case this year. The travel budget at work has been pretty much cut a lot. So I don't even know the next time I'll be back in Ohio for work. So that's made it harder. But yeah, I think I've really come to feel like Colorado is my home. And so I think I've just had to come to terms with being a little bit more on my own and not being as close to family and and just figuring out what that means and how to how to do that. But it's also, yeah, it's been really good for me figuring out who I am and stuff. That isolation has been a really good tool for uh determining who I am without the influence of others and it's been it's been good. Yeah. Who would you say you are now that you've had some time to kind of be away from it all? Yeah, you call my you called my bluff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm still honestly still figuring it out. Um, yeah. But I've learned that I struggle to, you know, start interactions with people. But if I'm in a situation with people, it is so easy for me to start talking to them. And I've learned that it's, you know, easy for me to keep to myself but every time, you know, I force myself to go to some social event that I'm not feeling great about, I always end up having a great time and making friends. And so, 
yeah, I've learned that I'm actually like a pretty um, outgoing person, despite what I've you know thought for years of being like an extreme introvert and this kind of stuff. And yeah, I've gotten really into sports out here, uh, which you know it's kind of funny because I just have never been. I've always played sports, but it's never been like my main thing. And now it feels like that's all I do out here. <laughs> I've seen you attending a lot of pickleball matches. Yeah. Have you been playing much pickleball? Yeah. So uh, I started playing pickleball like over the winter because it was cheaper than playing indoor tennis. Okay. And that's kind of the first like real friends I've made out here since moving, which is like kind of wild because that was like a year into me living here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I made some friends just because I was kind of doing that consistently. So I was seeing a lot of the same people. And so you know how that goes. Your friend group's really into something. So that's a really easy way to connect with them is just to kind of get into it yourself and I found out I'm actually decent at it too. So like, yeah, I've been playing a lot. There was a point there where I was playing like four days a week. That's amazing. Yeah. And my serve is killer. It's uh, it's dangerous. So <laughs> uh I've gotten pretty good at pickleball, I'd say. Um, and this last weekend was the uh, PPA tour here in Denver. So I got to see some of like the, the best players in the world play and even like talk to some of them. That like one day I literally sat behind the players bench and like was literally like having conversations with the players. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's been really crazy. Um, and they all seemed really cool. So yeah, it's 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 been really fun to get into. I I scoffed at it a little bit early on as a tennis player. My, like I played tennis my whole life. Yeah, but I I've really come to enjoy pickleball. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I played it last night for the first time, and yeah, it is I think a perfect balance. It is faster than tennis though you're running around less but also slower than ping pong and <laughs> yeah. i don't know it was just like super fun you don't have to you know it's have to very be, accessible yeah it's super accessible you don't have to be a an elite athlete to be able to compete like there are people who had never played before last night who were doing just fine just because it's pretty easy to pick up and play at a recreational level kind of like spike ball like you can play it recreationally and pretty well early on but then like to get really good it may take some time, but yeah, I really enjoyed pickleball. I'm sure that I will be back out there on the courts soon. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't tried it. Funny enough, actually, I actually tried it for the first time back in like 2018, 2019 in Indiana. Oh, really? Um, Before it really blew up and I didn't play it after that. So I, I, if I had kept playing, I could have really snuck up on people and been really good at it because I had, you know, so many more years of preparation. Yeah. Are you trying to get into pickleball? Has the peer pressure finally gotten to you? I know it has for me and it can be frustrating. Let me tell you, I keep donking when I should be dinking. It's this whole thing. But if you're as tired as I am being pushed around on the courts, it may be time to hone your skills and level up your game. I don't care if you're a pickleball champion or a rising challenger. Join Kurt's private one-on-one -on -one or group sessions today and unleash your true pickleball prowess. No more slipping and sliding. You know why? Because we're not here trying to have fun. We are here to win. If you want to do that, Kurt is the guy. You know who I heard that from? Every single PPA player on tour right now. Yeah. So sign up today. Trust me, it'll be worth your pickle time. How you feeling? Feeling good. I'm trying my best not to breathe heavy into the mic, and so <laughs> I'm like trying to breathe while not doing it directly into the microphone. But yeah, other than that, pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I was curious. How is the strike going? Like, how has that been for you? 
um, on the ground level, I guess. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I'm not yet a WGA member. Okay. So yeah, in 2021, I graduated from UCLA and through a connection there, I started working on set as a COVID PA. So that included testing, enforcing that people wore masks, uh, social distancing, providing PPE for people, as well as trying to sanitize the area, maybe with some air scrubbers to purify the air, right? And that sounds really boring, especially when you're doing that for 12 hours a day. But in that, I also wasn't doing much else other than that. And so I was just paid to be on set and like soak up as much as I could. Whereas normal PAs or production assistants, they're helping out with the assistant director and the whole AD team. They are running around constantly doing stuff and they really do help make an entire production go. For me, on the other hand, I'm just chilling. And so I was very, very fortunate to have been on the sets I was on and got to meet a ton of really talented and very friendly writers, producers, even some directors, some actors that were awesome. And I don't want to say most importantly, but like very fortunately, a lot of really cool assistants who I feel like were in the same shoes as me. You know, they've got some samples or they've got some ideas of what it is they want to do with their career and what they want to do with their lives, but they Mm -hmm. just don't have yet the access to that. And so it was really awesome spending that time on set, building those relationships, not only like professionally, but also I feel like I've gotten a lot of awesome friendships out of that, which is cool. Yeah. I did that for maybe, let's say September 2021 through March or April of this year, and I felt like I had a lot of momentum going my way. There were some scripts that I feel really good about. One of them got an eight on the blacklist. Yeah, I saw that. Which in super short, yeah, is a hosting website that evaluates scripts. It's a paid service. And I think three or 4% of scripts get an eight or higher on the website. Someone once described it to me as if you get an eight, it's the kind of script where an assistant would like interrupt a meeting for a boss and like put it on their desk. (laughs) I heard that from someone who like used to read for the blacklist. Wow. Obviously no assistants were interrupting any meetings, (laughs) but that also with poor timing was because of the strike and nobody was really looking for new talent to represent or new projects to go into development. And so it felt like all the momentum I had built and all the networking I had done kind of came to a very slow and painful halt. Also, there were no new jobs in in the COVID world because productions were shutting down as well as COVID teams going down in staff numbers just because of a smaller need for a large health and safety team. And so between the strike having been looming late winter, early spring, it also felt like COVID was dying down. So that kind of led me to where I am now. Now in the strike, I've been walking and supporting the writers on the picket lines. I normally go to Netflix And that's been an awesome experience. I've also gone to like Paramount and Universal where I've been able just to have a lot of really cool conversations, hearing from people who have been in the industry for decades and or months. And, you know, the strike is literally happening in their first year of being a working writer. And so to hear from all those stories and hear about those experiences and journeys to get to that point and where they are now was really cool. And also, yeah, sure, you know, making connections was awesome, but I think just fighting for something and walking for something that will just as much impact me in the future as it will these other writers who are currently working and maybe are a little bit more established too. Um, 
I got to meet Mike Schur, oh. who is the dude who inspired me to write yeah. uh, in the first place. <laughs> and so that was amazing. He was so incredibly nice. We talked for 15 minutes. I, I even mentioned Abby's, which I feel like nobody knows about, but it was like, I think the first show ever to be recorded in front of a live audience outdoors. Mm. And it was just so innovative in what it was trying to do. And I don't think it got a full, complete first season, but just that kind of like ingenuity that he brought to the table with that amongst so many of his other projects, you know, he wrote on the office, co-created Parks and Rec in Brooklyn nine, nine was the brilliant mind behind the good place. And so, yeah, just to be able to, you know, have a conversation with him and see, you know, obviously seeing someone who I look up to be on the picket lines, he's part of the WGA negotiating committee too. And so as unfortunate as it is to be in this position, it is very cool that I'm able to see writers who are normally tucked away in their offices or at their desks or at a coffee shop coming together. They're outside. <laughs> We're walking. Yeah. And it's been really cool to see that unity. And I really hope that with the SAG strike now, mm -hmm. I really hope that the studios are, yeah, able to to do the right thing and pay the writers, pay the actors. You know, right. Not only is it affecting writers and actors, but it is affecting other unions and IATSE, which is the union yeah. for a lot of the crew that works on productions. And so for me, not been as impactful because it's not like I was, you know, working in a room or anything, but it did kind of affect my momentum. But at the same time, like it's so much bigger. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that it works out. Like from my understanding, it's pretty historic that the writers and the actors are, you know, both on strike now. And yeah, I, I really hope they get what they're asking for. Yeah, there's no need to fact check this or anything, but I think it was like 60 or 68 years ago. Something like that, yeah. Was like the last time that uh, both unions went on strike together, so. Yeah, pretty big deal. I do have another question for you. Uh, oh, let's do it. This is a very basic one, but I figure it falls in with the category that, or the themes. Uh, okay. What are, what's your favorite movie and what's your favorite TV show? What is my favorite movie and what is my favorite TV show? And I want to liberate you from feeling like you have to say things that you think are like high quality. Like it doesn't mean like the best movie and the best TV show. What for are sure. your favorites? For sure. For sure. Uh, John Wick 4. No. <laughs> I think my favorite movie, I would probably have to say Game Night. Oh, that one is good. I think it did like 50 million in the box office. And that is... Just an absolute shame. That is criminal. I agree. That was, I think, one of the very few times where I laughed so hard I farted while watching a movie <laughs> in a movie theater. Yeah. The acting, the story, the tense thriller aspect of it, as well as the comedy. Yeah. Just a perfect blend. I definitely like I have other favorite movies that I know are more right. revered in a critical sense, and that's fine. That's up there. And then I think favorite TV show, but right off the bat, I'm going to say Succession. Mm. I think that it's one of the shows that I've already rewatched, not like since the final season aired, because I've only seen the final season once, but I've, I'd watched the first three seasons three times already. And I just, I love it. Not that it's my feel good show when I'm feeling down, but it is, yeah, by no means a comfort show. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's so quality. I love it so much. I also, I'm going to ruin my cred as like a TV and movie guy, but I also have not seen Succession. Oh my goodness. I, I'll i be honest. I, I, I'm sure I'm way off here. It doesn't seem that interesting to me. Like, wow. It, 
Now, granted, I haven't seen. I've heard great things, and maybe someday I'll get around to it. Yeah, but just the like, I'm not into like the the the, the setting of it, like the business, the like the competing. So I, I just I don't care. It's not a uh, world that I care that much about, and so I just haven't really bothered to watch it. But I have heard I've heard great things. Yeah, it's so funny. The writing is just so brilliant. I can't get over the show. I'm <laughs> devastated it ended, but also happy that like. It didn't just keep on going for no reason. I feel that entirely. That bittersweet feeling is is honestly the best way to end a TV show is just to yeah. to be sad that it's over, but to be glad that it didn't corrupt itself by sticking around too long. One show that I was late to watching but finally got around to was The Leftovers. Mm. It's on HBO. It's three seasons. It's so different and unique and weird and beautiful. And like the soundtrack is amazing. The music is so majestic in that. I highly recommend that too. Um, I hate this whole thing of like, oh, you've got to give it a few episodes <laughs> to really get into something. Like I had watched the first season of that a while back ago, wanted to get into the second and third seasons, but I just never did. And then I restarted from the first season, watched it through. I couldn't stop. Yeah. Kind of going back to what we talked about earlier too, of the whole like episodic thing, instead of feeling like it's a eight hour or 10 hour long movie, like part of the thing is that it has to be in like, each episode of television has to be an episode of television right it can't just be like part one of eight yeah and i feel like that show does a really brilliant job of having these different puzzle pieces that aren't necessarily either chronological or like serialized but still somehow come together and like paint this beautiful picture so yeah i wouldn't yeah. say that it's like one of my favorite shows but it's a show that i watched this year that i've absolutely loved fair um, this one's less of a question and more of a request. Okay. Uh, or maybe even just a pitch. Okay. Um, you know, I said earlier, I would be in everything that you would ask me to be a part of. Okay. I think here's just my pitch. Yeah. You know, you're, I think you're inevitably, inevitably going to become a big name someday. Wow. So when that happens, I think it would be really cool if I continue to be in all your projects, even if it's like a background, like extra. Yeah, yeah, like the guy who just like shows up. Like, let me let me be the Bruce Campbell to your Sam Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> like, put me in everything. Name the character Mark, even if he doesn't have a speaking role, because Good. I think a I think a couple different characters in the short films were named Mark. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It just put me in everything. Let's uh, let's do it. Once I'm out here making a living. <laughs> You'll come out further west. Yeah, I'll, I'll fly out if I have to. Like, yeah, gotta expand that IMDb page. Yeah, if I shoot anything in Denver, you're there. Heck yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to be the little trivia blurb on your IMDb page that says <laughs> an unknown, like an unknown non-actor, Kurt Betts has been in every single one of Lucas Abreu's projects. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I, I, and I also love that you know that that's where I'll be in. You said what? Two years. <laughs> especially when you're writing stuff that gets you eights on the blacklist you know it's... yeah if my career isn't soaring <laughs> two years after the strike ends then i'm gonna quit <laughs> yeah this is I, i've got i gotta go like what do you what do you define as soaring though like is it okay if you're just like if you're able to make a living oh, off of it? I, when i say soaring i mean i can afford a coffee with oat milk if it costs extra <laughs> 
Yeah. Fair. Well, with, with hopefully with uh, hopefully the strikes works out work out such that that doesn't require as big of a break either. You know. Oh my god. You know, hopefully, if you're just like in the writers' room on TV shows, like yeah, you'll be able to afford that. No, I um, I do think in in two years, I was talking about this with my friend Zach here at the picket lines, and. He asked me, I think, where do I want to be in one, five, and ten years? I think in two years, there's a movie that he and I are writing. I won't go into details. Good. Yeah, fair. But he and I feel very excited about this script. I feel so confident in it. Nice. I, I believe you'll be able to watch it in theaters. Nice. Hopefully you laugh so hard that you fart when you watch it. That's my goal for anyone who steps into the movie theater to watch that movie. That's great. But yeah, I think within two years, like... Yeah, I would love to just be working even as a writer's assistant in a writer's room just to be able to learn and learn and learn and be a part of it because I feel like there is so much that I know I can contribute to, whether it's writing a feature script or contributing to a writer's room. But I also know that there's so much for me to learn and for me to experience still. Uh And so I think just like having that first step and being able to be around a bunch of talented, fairly paid writers, yeah, I know that. In these next two years, hopefully I'm at a point there, if not beyond that, to where, yeah, I'm able just to be a part of the process of something that I really love. So, yeah. Yeah. That said, you'll be out here in the background of everything I do. Oh, I love that. I love that it's also recorded so that you have to can, you have to keep to your word. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Episode 007, <laughs> Kurt Metz. I haven't even thought about the fact that I got the coolest episode number. Yeah. For now. For now. For now. I also do want to, going back to our short films, I want to point out too, I, I watched them in preparation for this. and Classic. Two things I want to point out. One, the intro to It's On The Way, where it's just me making <laughs> coffee. Great. Yeah. Especially if you know me and know I don't know how to make coffee. Yeah. And that you hate coffee. And that I hate coffee. And so it's the the whole buildup of this like whole process of making coffee really well shot, really well done. Like it looks great. The Icelandic mug. And then I go to take a sip and then I just spit it back out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just perfect. I, I actually laughed out loud because I kind of forgot about that. Good. And then the second thing was I wanted to talk about too the excessive commercials in scooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I believe my memory is not great, but I do believe I actually pitched the idea of including old commercials in the first place. It did, Yeah, if, if you did, because... I won't even dispute it. It's all you. <laughs> I think I probably was inspired by like Captain Midnight on YouTube. OK, because uh, he does that a lot. But I got this idea that, yeah, like video essays often like or like some of them will like for ambiance will show old commercials related to what they're talking about. Like, just yeah. And then I remember when you like showed me the final video and they're like full commercials. <laughs> like oh, it's like, not clips. It's like the entire thing. Yeah. The entire video is like over a half an hour long and the commercials are extremely loud. Yeah. I remember I cranked up. I think I put like plus eight on the, the levels <laughs> just to crank yeah, it. That wasn't entirely what I intended, but it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I remember showing it to some people at one point back home. And like, at some point I was just like, I'm going to fast forward to these commercials. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I could see them just being like, what is going on with these commercials? What's so beautiful and yet frustrating is that there's so much I would redo differently yeah. in, in like either at a creative level, but honestly, mostly just at a, technical level right of like messing around with the camera settings so that the shots of you and travis in the basement yeah don't look horrific <laughs> or just yeah they don't think it's burned film footage <laughs> oh so 
so bad. That's the nature of it, though. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, if we had waited until you learned all those things, it wouldn't exist. And that's exactly just, that's how it goes. And I, 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 I agree with you full heartedly. That's how I am with my music too. I'll, I'll learn new techniques and be like, oh my god, my old stuff sounds like shit now. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah, I get it. So, Jacob asks from the last episode. Oh yeah. What is your favorite article of clothing that you own right now? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think the one I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on, I have this t-shirt that has in quotes on the front, your generation is so entitled. Mm. And then on the back, it's just a list of comparison of prices of certain things between 1981 and 2021. Amazing. Because <laughs> um, that's just like my least favorite thing to hear from boomers is like how entitled we are, this or that. It's like, dude, don't even talk to me right now. Like. <laughs> Yeah. You have no idea how much has changed and how much of it is your fault. <laughs> um, Do you still have that birds are not real hat? I, yeah, it was one of the ones I thought about saying I have a birds aren't real hat. Interesting. Which is funny because I've become kind of a bird lover like since then. So it's so funny to wear that hat knowing that like I actually really enjoy birds. How could you not be? You're in Colorado. I know. They're like there's And there's just so much variety and some of them are incredibly smart and that's so wild to me. And so I've actually become kind of a bird fan. So it's I feel a little bit conflicted every time I wear that hat that people might think that I don't like birds. Yeah. But it is just a joke, but it is a very great hat. Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of Jacob, I do feel the need to give my two cents on the lunch debacle. Oh, please, please. <laughs> Which also, I have to make a very tiny amendment. So we did go from Bob Evans to Denny's. Right. To then Applebee's. Yes. To then Ties. But I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So let me set the stage here. <laughs> as bad as my memory is, I do remember that day after church, I was already kind of thinking I was just going to go home and make myself lunch, kind of chill out. And I believe y'all talked me into going to lunch with you. <laughs> okay. And I was already, I think, I, I don't remember if what previous case had happened, but I think I even knew it would be too much effort to figure out where we wanted to go, what to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think I just wasn't up for it, but I ended up deciding to go with you guys because fear of missing out. And yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask about the Denny's versus Bob Evans. Cause I feel like me and Jacob were huge Bobby E fans. You know, we loved Bob Evans for sure, but it's, it was after church on a Sunday. So <laughs> of course it was packed. Yeah. But yeah, we end up at Applebee's, which don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not some huge Applebee's fan. I don't think I've been hardly since then. But for me, it was like, we found a place that is not packed. We're sitting down. We've gotten our waters. And you guys are like worried about the specials. And I'm like, look, I know we're in college. I don't have a lot of money either. But really, guys, come on. It's like, what a difference of a couple dollars. <laughs> I'm like, please, <laughs> please. I like, at the moment I hear, I think, yeah, I think you said you were like the first one to mention. Like the moment you mentioned, I'm like, oh God. And like my heart is like, oh God, these stupid mother. Yeah, they're like, they're going to like, they're going to drag me out of this place. Like, <laughs> And you guys all decide to leave. And I'm like, no, we finally found a place. And I'm like so hungry at this point. Yeah. And I believe I like made you guys leave a tip. For sure. For I sure. was 100% like, we got to leave something if we're going to leave now. And then what's really funny, and this is all on up to me as being childish. Like I fully was like, I don't like Chinese food or Asian food or whatever. Like I don't want ties. I'm not eating it. And I didn't eat with you guys at ties, but you were my ride. So I just sat there while you guys ate. Which was silly because actually, full disclosure, I like ties. I've been back. Like, <laughs> I like Asian food. I was just being petty. I was just kind of mad. That's crazy. And so Jacob shared that it kind of ruined the rest of my day. And it kind of did because after all of that, I wait for you guys to eat. Then you drive me home. And then I still have to make myself lunch. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah. And so it was just all around, like, and I think you and me even kind of agreed at one point, like, you and me going to lunch just doesn't go well. As good of friends we are, there's just something about us going to lunch that just never works out. No, literally the number of times we've tried going to lunch, maybe in a bigger group, if it's like pre-decided, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the number of times, especially in, in Bloomington, where we try to go lunch, just the two of us, it never works out. And you're just a lot more willing to switch things up than I am. I'm like, once I've made my decision, it's like, no, I was pretty dead set that I was eating this. <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely, and I, and I used to get so much more worked up about food. I've, I've let off of it a lot, but. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just a super picky eater, and so generally where we're eating was a huge deal. So, like, if I agreed to go eat at a certain place, switching that up was like, oh, no, and I have to wonder if I'm even going to like the food at the next place. Yeah, that's what you're expecting. And, like, then I look, you know, and it's always super embarrassing when you don't like anything because you're picky and this and this. So I was just like, I got really stressed out about food, and I've, I've grown up a lot since then, but I was definitely petty about it. <laughs> I can't blame you, though. Once you've hit restaurant number three, it's tough to get out of the seat one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no I, don't worry i look back on it fondly though it's a funny story to be I don't, I don't hold a i don't hold any anger about it good i'm glad that you you look back on it fondly uh what is a question you'd like to ask for the next guest what is the dream for you and what is stopping you from living that mm-hmm. i want to get deep on this next one i want them to really think about it i like that i like that a lot <laughs> Hopefully it gives the next person the push they need to live their dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we're here to inspire. What are we doing if we don't inspire? Exactly. How would you rate your experience in the podcast? And let's go from one to 10. Dude, I'm going to be the first one. 10 out of 10, baby. 10 out of 10. Amazing. What would I change? It was great. Uh, Great. Yeah. I love that. Like I said, I love being a part of your stuff, Lucas. And it was nice catching up and everything too. So 10 out of 10, man. I got, I got no complaints. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, one super last, very short, quick final question. Why the turtle necklace? Yeah. Soon after I graduated high school, my, I went to the Dominican Republic for a mission trip where we delivered medical supplies and medical service to, to some of the uh, migrant workers there. And uh, that was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. And in that week that I was gone, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer and passed away two days later um and so being kind of sentimental felt like i needed a way to commemorate that or like just kind of honor her and so i i went out to the merchant that was selling stuff at this table outside of our you know residency that we were living there i bought a turtle necklace from them it was like carved out of honestly i'm not even sure (laughs) what it was carved out of and i kind of just for some reason chose that i was gonna wear that every day for the next year and so I've worn it every day since, and it's been probably like seven or eight years at this point. And it's become such a significant portion of, you know, how people identify with me that I actually chose it as the title for my music persona. And so, yeah, if you're looking for my TikTok music, it's it's uh, under Turtle Necklace Music is the account. So, yeah. Love it. We always support a shameless plug here on the pod. Yeah. All righty. Well, yeah, on that note. I think uh, I think that does it for us today. Awesome. We'll end it here. It was so great having you on the podcast. Thank you for giving me my first 10. Yeah. It was much needed. It was much needed. <laughs> yeah, all these losers giving you eights and seven. I'm like, what, what yeah. the heck, guys? At, at least, you know, like, <laughs> swoop down to a four if you mean it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tell me you hate me. Be honest.
Dang it, I really wanted to talk about six episode TV shows and how much I hate them. Oh.